Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Let's Go Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. And this week we talked with Brad Stoffers, former junior hockey coach and founder and head coach at FAST, Functional Athletic Systems Training. Uh, before we get into our conversation with Brad, with me today, my co-host. Danny Heath with Project Hockey. Uh, one, I'm super excited to have uh, Brad on. His his knowledge about just strength training and player development is going to help anybody out. Players, parents, anybody who's listening. So super excited to dig into this one and and uh, see where it goes from there. What about you, coach? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, you know, Brad's a good guy. I've known him for a while. It's kind of funny because he actually, my, we talked about this a little bit in the, in the, in the interview, but when I was uh, my last semester at Miami of Ohio, I, I stopped playing and I was a coach for one semester, assistant coach. Uh, and Brad was a freshman on that team. So I coached him for a little bit. And then we've kind of just stayed in touch over the last uh, several years. He's gotten into hockey and he's got an interesting path because he went from Miami to, um, you know, working with some NCAA D1 programs and got into coaching and now he's kind of focusing on player development. So it's kind of a, I'm interested to share his story of kind of his path because it's a little bit different than the, the average um, hockey coach's path, but I think he's got some great knowledge and some great information to share with the players and parents and coaches out there. So I think we should uh, jump into it. It'll be good. Absolutely. Make sure you go uh, check out Tech Tour Shields. Uh, use that promo code which is let's go 10. Let's go 10. Use that promo code. Uh, we wouldn't be pumping those things if they didn't help our game out. So if you think about it, just shields that you put on the front of your deal and it's going to save a lot of time uh, and going to keep your kids and your athletes a little bit safer. So check those out. Uh, but I'm excited for this one. Excited for Brad to come on and cross check that like button and let's go. Hello, everybody. This is producer Vinny. We are excited to tell everybody out there about our new sponsor, Tech Tour Shields. Tech Tour Shields were created out of necessity with the sole purpose of creating products that provide athletes with an additional layer of safety and allowing them to get back to the games they love. They make shields that are compatible with football, lacrosse, and most importantly for listeners of the Let's Go Hockey podcast, Hockey Helmets. Tech Tour have created shields that are technologically advanced and designed to allow for an athlete's peak performance while maintaining that needed level of safety, specifically covering an athlete's nose and mouth area. All of Tech Tour's products include easy installation with a simple Velcro design, anti-fog material, very clear sight lines, and great breathability. Tech Tour offers two variations of shields to accommodate your hockey helmet. The Tech Tour 1.0 will fit on all current CCM and Bauer cages from adult to youth. And for anybody out there using a bubble, such as the CCM VF1 or the Bauer Concept 3 face mask, you can use the Tech Tour 2.0 to go directly onto your mask. We've teamed up with them to offer you, our wonderful listeners, 10% off your three pack of Tech Tour shields by using the promo code Let's Go 10. That's L-E-T-S-G-O-10 for 10% off. This offer is valid now through 12-31-2020. So what you need to do right now is visit them at techtorshields.com. That's T-E-K-T-O-R-S-H-I-E-L-D-S.com and let them know that we sent you by using promo code Let's Go 10. Originally hailing from Baldwin, Missouri, he's a graduate of the great school, Miami University, my, my home university, the Red Hawks, graduated with a degree in kinesiology and health. After Miami, he attended a master's in education and coaching at Boston University and was a grad assistant with strength and conditioning coach there. From there, he joined the staff at NCAA D1 RPI as a volunteer assistant. After RPI, he landed uh, with the Nashville Junior Predators AAA program, spent some time with the Springfield Junior Blues of the NAHL, and was the head coach of the Chicago Cougars of the USPHL for the last five seasons. He's now working with athletes in sports performance training as the founder and head coach at FAST, Functional Athletic Systems Training. Brad Stoffers, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How's it going today? Doing well, doing well. Great to hear from you, Pete, and see you again. It's been a while, uh, but I love what you're doing now with all your stuff and with Elevated Hockey, and really excited for today, 
have a little chat with you and thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure, Brad. It's uh, it's good to catch up with you. Like you mentioned here, uh, you know, we're both graduates of Miami of Ohio. You know, a lot of people don't don't really know about Miami of Ohio unless you're a big hockey fan. It's not in Florida. It's in in Ohio in Oxford, Ohio. But uh, you know, I'm a little older than Brad, and this, this kind of goes back to my my last semester at Miami. Uh, I didn't play, and I was I was an assistant coach. It was my first year ever coaching. And Brad was a freshman on the hockey team. And so I, I had the opportunity to coach Brad when he was, I think, what, around 18, 19 years old in that first semester of his freshman year. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And so it's good to reconnect with you, Brad, and go back. Uh, I know we go back a long time. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about kind of your path since we, we parted ways in Miami and what, uh, what brings you to what you're doing now. So why don't we start with a little bit about your background? Like, how did you first get hooked on hockey? I, I didn't start actually until really I was like six or seven years old. I didn't start organized at least until I was like seven years old. So uh, we lived next to a boy that played. Uh, he was a couple years older than me and he would just be playing street hockey. And I would kind of, I played every sport growing up. Um, so I was always interested in, in, in doing different things. So he kind of got me hooked. I started playing with him and man, it's like, once you get, once you get into it, you, you can't stop. <laughs> um, it's just so fun. The speed of the game, the coordination it takes, all the athleticism, the camaraderie with, uh, you know, your teammates and other players. Um, the kids just kind of, kind of grew from there. Like I said, I played everything growing up, but hockey was really, you know, what I stuck with the most and going up through, you know, high school and, uh, then into college there at Miami and it's been a heck of a ride. And now I'm, you know, getting into the coaching thing now and also doing, some of the off ice training as well. It's just been, it's been a great experience. And I, I really love that I've kind of taken up the game and, and what I've done with it since, uh, since I stopped playing. Yeah. So I know, I know uh, you're very passionate about hockey and passionate about training. And, and so, I mean, you're, you're saying you're just getting into the coaching game, but I know you've been coaching for a long time. And so I want to hit on some of that journey and some of the stops along the way that I mentioned in the, the intro there. Um, so maybe let's talk a little bit about your time with uh, working at, in the NCAA level. Um, you were, you know, you're a grad assistant with Boston University, and then you were also after that at RPI as a as a volunteer assistant. And so working with those programs, you know, if you can tell us a little bit about time at at both of those programs and kind of what your roles were, and then also, um, you know, you had an opportunity to to work with coaches. Uh, you know, some, some pretty, pretty special coaches at those places, but also like outside of just the game of hockey in the, in that position with strength and conditioning. So let's talk about a little bit about your experience there. And then also your experience, you know, working with some, you know, professional, very high, highly regarded leaders in those positions. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, I guess it, it kind of started actually, I don't even know if you know this at Miami, my senior year is when I kind of started getting into the strength and conditioning stuff. So my senior year, I did an internship uh, with the Miami athletics program. Um, and, and I didn't do too much with the hockey team there. Um, they, they were kind of had their own separate thing going on, but I was working with the football team and stuff like that. So getting into strength and conditioning with a major in kinesiology, I really kind of wanted to take that route as a strength coach. And from there went to the, like you said, BU, that was, uh, 2009 and 2010. Uh, so it's been a little while now, but phenomenal program, obviously. And then BU played Miami in the national championship game, my first oh. year at BU, uh, when they won it. Um, so it was heartbreaker. my that was a heartbreaker. I remember that. That was a heartbreaker. <laughs> it was my new school against my old school, which was crazy. <laughs> and two phenomenal programs at the time. Um, but at BU, I was a grad assistant strength coach. I was working in the weight room mostly and uh, a little bit with the men's team. I would I would watch uh, coach Mike Boyle. Uh, with their program, they had a weight room inside the rink, which was separate from the rest of the campus. It was only, you know, used with the hockey team. Um, and then also with some of the women's team and coach Brian DeRosier there. Um, and it was a phenomenal, I mean, it was a great time. My two years there were awesome. They won the national championship my freshman year. So I got to see, you know, just the culture they set there and, and everything that they went through that, that championship season, which was pretty cool. And then I was always coaching hockey, like at nighttime, I, I picked up uh, a high school team when I was at Miami for a couple of years, Baden high school in Cincinnati. Uh, and then when I was at BU, I was actually helping out uh, the JV team at Dexter school. So prep school there. 
just kind of coaching hockey on the side, staying involved because I wasn't playing anymore, but really I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach. So it's how do we improve, you know, the player's performance, um, you know, through just movement take techniques, um, strength and conditioning, obviously the lifting weights and programming their, their weightlifting sessions, uh, helping with nutrition, eating right, you know, all that stuff that goes into performance besides being in the weight room, eating right, uh, sleep habits, other habits outside of, you know, everything you're doing, managing your stress load with classwork and, and, and social life. Um, so that was, that was cool to see that side of it. And I was really into that with the sports science, still really into it. Um, from there, I kind of just pivoted a little bit. Um, sometimes I would just spend my days thinking about my practice plans at night, uh, with the high school team, uh, with the JV team. And I was like, man, maybe I need to uh, coach full-time. So I, I pivoted a little bit when I went to RPI, got a great opportunity there to be a volunteer assistant um, on their staff with head coach Seth Appert and spent two years there learning the ropes of, you know, that was more on the hockey side now. So I'm on the ice, practice planning with the guys, video breakdown, pre-scouting our opponents, um, meeting with players, overseeing kind of everything that, that – you know, goes into making a successful division one hockey program. Uh, my first year there, which was 2010, 11, the team made the NCAA tournament for the first time. And I think it was 16 years. Um, so that was awesome. Played North Dakota in the first round. Uh, they beat us, <laughs> but, uh, it was a great, it was a great experience, a phenomenal group of guys and, uh, a great staff as well. Um, you know, I think the second part of your question there, just kind of like talking about the leadership and the coach, you know, the coaches and stuff at BU was Jack Parker at the time. I mean, he's just a legend in the game, right. In the college game. Um, but it was awesome just kind of being around some of those great, those great people, even, you know, at RPI with Seth, um, just learned a ton about hockey, about training people the right way, um, about the lifestyle of, of being an NCAA athlete and what it takes and how those players get there and then, you know, where they go from there. A lot of professional signings and, and players that had careers after college. And it was, it was real cool to be a part of those programs. So you touched on something there, Brad, that I kind of want to circle back on and, and see if you can elaborate on a little bit is that you mentioned like the culture at BU and in that culture piece is, is the intangible that is fascinating to me. You know, I talked to coaches that, you know, whether they're at a high school level or, or college level or, or whatever. And, and so many times that it's that culture, um, that culture of excellence or, or competitiveness that separates those top teams from those mid mid tier or bottom teams. So can you speak to maybe a little bit of your experience in like the culture that that staff at BU instilled in their program? And then, you know, at, when you joined the team at RPI, what, what um, coach Appert had as, as far as like some cultural building blocks for his program, like things that stick out in your mind of like, you know, these were non-negotiables. These are the pieces that, you know, it's just part of the culture. This is how, this is part of a building block of a successful program. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those kind of buzzwords, right? Culture um, in all aspects of life and not just, not just hockey, but businesses and everything. Um, and it's just one of those things. It's, it's who you are, right? It's who you want to be. Um, at the end of the day, it's kind of, it's, it's almost like unspoken. Like it's, it's, it's kind of just something that uh, you feel almost, you know, more than you can kind of see all the time. But at BU, uh, just something that sticks out in my mind. And, and again, I was more in the weight room. I didn't see him, you know, every day on the ice and, and traveling and stuff like that. But I was around the program a little bit. Um, but I know in the weight room, there was a certain body fat percentage that Coach, uh, Coach Boyle wanted, you know, the team to be at or be under. And I think if I remember right, I mean, like players were almost not playing if they didn't hit the, you know, I can't remember if it was 10% or 8%. I should know, but I think it was 10% body fat. Like if you weren't under that, you know, you're like almost deemed unfit to play. Like, so it's a hard, it's hard working. It's a standard that you're setting that has to be met. You know, that's part of like the culture that they're trying to, you know, produce there and, and, that was one of the biggest things that stuck out. But other than that, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, they had great leadership. Um, Matt Gilroy was the captain that year. Phenomenal person. Um, you know, a great leader, along with obviously Coach Parker as well. Um, 
but and then at at RPI, uh, Coach Appert, his culture was set. He called it the engineer way. A uh, certain set of standards, things that he, you know, tried to set for the team, and and it really is non-negotiables, right? Like when you want something to be done, it that's how it's done, and and you either learn or you learn the hard way, and there's going to be consequences. But um, getting people to buy in to that culture, you know, is, is super important for the championship teams. And I think both of those guys, Coach Parker and Coach Appert, at, at those two institutions, did a great job of getting everybody on board and uh, clearly they had success with it. Coach Appert's now in the, the AHL and yep. he spent some time with the national team development program uh, in Michigan as well. So, I mean, super successful coaches, obviously. And it all starts with, you know, like you said, that culture piece setting the tone and not re- not letting guys get away with, you know, be- being or acting outside of the culture and outside of the standard that they set. I mean, I think it's just an accountability thing for the most part. There's certain things that they, you know, say, like I said, the engineer way with Coach Appert at RPI. And w- once it's set and written in stone, you know, you, then it's an accountability um, piece and you, you have to keep everybody in the group accountable. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, like I said, that's a fascinating piece to me is how, you know, that it's a trickle down effect from that head coach of that program and, and, and how they, how they two pieces to it for you know, for me is like one, you know, what is their culture? How do they define it? How do they establish it? You know, what are, what, you know, what, what kind of message are they sending their team? And then that other part from a player's perspective is, is getting that buy-in. And like you mentioned buy-in, like, so let me jump into your, your, when you became a coach then. So you had the experience of, of being part of a couple of different successful programs and um, you know, whether it's at Miami or, or BU or, or RPI. And then, so you embark on kind of your own uh, and you mentioned you're, you're working with some, some high school level teams and stuff, but the point where you get to, to that triple a level and you spend some time with the spring Springfield junior blues and the Nall, and then moving on to, to the USPHL and being a, being a head coach, you know, teaming your own and you're establishing your own culture and, and, and buying. So let's talk about that experience of, of transitioning to where like all of a sudden that program is yours and you're the one establishing, um, you know, who we are, especially because if correct me if I'm wrong, but when you took over the, the Cougars, like that was an expansion program, right? Like that was fresh. Yeah. So like you had a blank slate to create, a new program. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was awesome to kind of, you know, you take in all the information and you observe everybody and you're, you're seeing all these high level coaches and people, especially my time in Boston. I mean, you're just around a ton of great programs in Boston. Um, so just learning from, and I would go observe practices of other institutions all the time. Um, and then now you get a chance to, okay, now you're the guy, right? So it's that kind of deer in headlights for a moment or two, like trying to figure out how you're going to do it. Um, but the Cougars was phenomenal. Yeah, you're right. It's an expansion team. So I was the first head coach of that program and and ran them for the first five years. My culture, kind of what we said, uh, what I set in stone, I came with kind of four, came up with little four phrases. It was dream big, respect the game, play hard and no turnovers. That was kind of our mantra, if you will. That was kind of my culture, what I came up with. And they might sound like, you know, things that I don't know are just on the ice, but it, it it's uh, transpires throughout your whole program. What guys are doing when they're with you, when they're maybe at their billet families, or even back home for their summer. You know, it's just how you want to shape them as young men and young women, um, individuals growing up in a society. You know, it it's it's bigger than hockey. Um, so dream big. Obviously, it's a little bit self-explanatory that one, but you know reach for the stars, go after what you want to try to accomplish, you know, set your goals, set them high. Um, There's nothing that can't be accomplished in my mind. As long as you put your mind to it, respect the game, you know, has a lot of different meanings. You know, it could be whether you're taking a bad penalty or, you know, not talking back to the officials or other coaches or even players, you know, there's no reason to, you know, whatever talk smack, you know, during a game, that's not, you know, respecting the game, but it's also has a second piece where, it's, it's preparation, you know, respect what it takes to win, respect what it takes to succeed. You need to put in the time you need to show up on time or early. Um, and all those, you know, preparation, sleep, nutrition, all the things kind of that I talked, touched on earlier, that's part of respecting the game, right? Like what's it take to be good in this game? Um, you got to respect those, those factors, uh, play hard, 
that's kind of self-explanatory too. Always give a hundred percent, whatever you're going to do, do it a hundred percent, be all in play hard on the, on the ice. It could mean specific things, finishing checks, going to the net hard, um, different things like that, but more the all encompassing of just go at it hundred percent. And then no turnovers is a little bit like style of play that I like to play. Um, you know, a little bit more puck possession, puck management type uh, buzzword, but also, you know, no turnovers. Don't, you know, win the turnover battle. Don't do anything that's going to jeopardize yourself or the team, you know, when you're away from the, away from the rink. I love that. That was my, that was kind of my culture. So yeah, but it's, it, it's, I mean, it's a little bit, it's personal to me a little bit, but you know, it worked and it, it, it gave guidelines. It gave guys something to uh, think about. And uh, it gave us a backbone, you know, like to go back to. And like I said, you just hold them accountable to it and uh, kind of go from there. Yeah. So it gives you an, a, a baseline of clearly defining the culture that you expect with, within your program or that you're trying to, trying to make and gives those guys, like you said, something to fall back on it, to go back to, to make sure you're staying on track with the vision that you have for that program. And I would imagine that that probably helps figuring out even before getting guys to buy in is figuring out which are the right guys to to get on the bus with you too, when you're, when you're recruiting or tryouts or things like that. And, you know, cause I think that part of it, you know, junior hockey world goes both ways where the coaches are looking for the right kids, but the kids are also looking for the right programs, right? Not, not every program's ever a good fit for every kid, whether it's a good program or not. And, you know, being able to lay that, those expectations out there um, probably helps you narrow down who, who's going to become part of your program. So I, I like that. That's good stuff. So, so Brad, you've let's let's jump in the next step in your in your path here, and and that's with um, I want to talk specifically about player development and what that looks like on the ice and off the ice, and that's kind of what you're doing now with with fast. So, why don't we dive into fast? Tell me a little bit about what you're doing now um, for the athletes you're working with. Yeah, uh, player development is also has always been something super important to me, going back to my college days and just you know, the, the weight room and, and learning the science behind, you know, development and all that good stuff. Um, I, I started this company, Functional Athletic Systems Training. It's a real long and wordy title. So we just say FAST for short as an acronym. <laughs> uh, started FAST like two years ago, mostly in the summers. Um, you know, I always have, I've always had this itch and kind of these parallel careers where I'm a hockey coach and a strength coach and, and interested in both fields. So uh, during the summertime, the off season, I would work with players here in Chicago and kind of just kind of developed a little bit of a following a little, it, it grew each year, but a couple of years ago, just working on ice and off ice with players, you know, college players, USHL, NA, high school youth, um, kind of all across the board with, with people here in Chicago is a nice gamut of people all in the Chicagoland area. So kind of have grown that. And now that I'm not coaching uh, with the with the junior team anymore, I'm I'm doing this more full time, and you know trying to grow it with the COVID shutdowns. We're doing online training as well now, but I uh, just want to help players reach their full potential. I mean, it's it's awesome for me to see players have success. That's one of the best parts of coaching. It really is. Um, you see someone with potential, with the right mindset and attitude. They want to get better. They've got goals. And you, you know, have some kind of expertise you can lend them and help them along that path. And then whenever it might be a month later, a year later, five years later, they get the division one commitment or they make the triple A team or the double A team or the high school team, whatever it might be. And I mean, it's like you share that joy with them. It's awesome. Like you can see how excited they are. You know what they did to achieve that and the whole process that they went through. And it's, it's awesome because you have that shared joy and it's really the best part of coaching. So I'm, I'm continuing to, to grow that business now. And that's kind of where I'm at with the coaching thing at this point. Nice. So you definitely get invested into your players and, and I, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, when I see my players succeed, whether it's making, you know, out here in Montana, whether it's my college guys, you know, finding success and, and reaching, you know, whether it's them getting their job, first job out of college or our team, you know, making regionals for the first time or nationals for the first time, or, you know, the younger athletes I work with, if it's making that, that top team or getting, you know, I just had one this year that I think was one of the first Montana kids to ever make it to the USHL. Um, and it was like, you know, that's a huge win. And like, I feel like, 
makes me so happy when that happens. So I, I definitely can relate to that. You invest in your players. I think that's mark of a good coach. Um, and so let's talk about like, if you, you're going to, I want you to walk me through like so, the beginning of that path. So like before you get to that point where the kid's signing that scholarship or getting that win on, you know, getting that, that making that team, someone first is coming saying, Hey Brad, I want to work with you. I want to work with fast. Um, you know, like, what does that look like? So you take you take a player and you're, you're saying, okay, I'm going to help work with you. What does that work look like? Yeah. The first part of player development is kind of assessing where they're at now, you know, um, kind of the initial evaluation, uh, looking at, the biggest, some of the biggest factors, I think this could potentially be debatable, um, but there are some studies that have gone back uh, a few years now, but some of the most important traits for a hockey player, success in the game of hockey, uh, you're talking about lower body power, uh, explosiveness. It's, it comes back to the skating, right? Um, skating is obviously a super important skill in the game. Uh, so the, the, the more explosive you can have lower body power, typically the better skater you're going to be, um, which leads itself to success in the game of hockey. Uh, you know, the better skater you are most, you know, most guys are going to be better players if they can skate better. Um, uh, the second thing is so lower body power. Uh, the second thing going on there is pulling strength. Um, this was, this is like your lats, like pull-ups, uh, rows, different kinds. Of, and that comes down to like your shot, your shooting, passing is all controlled, like with your lat muscles in your back. And then the third thing from this study, and I'm, I'm, I keep trying to remember this study. I can't, I'll have to look it up and we can, I can send it to you. You can post it. Um, the third thing there was body composition. So hockey is a very physically demanding sport. Um, you know, you're going 30 to 45 seconds, 60 at the most, all out and then you rest, you know, for your work to rest ratio, you know, three or four or five to one there um, after your intermittent sprint. So if you're not in, in good shape, um, you know, cardiovascular, you can't uh, meet the demands of the sport. You're not going to have success. So upper body pulling strength, or I'll go in order, lower body power, like we said, um, upper body pulling strength and then body composition. So no one in my head from reading, you know, the studies and the articles about, you know, success in hockey uh, and knowing those things. Then we come to an assessment. You want to work with us. We're kind of going to kind of assess where you're at with, with those measures and a, and a, and a bunch of other measures, right? Mobility, just general fitness, um, pushing strength, all the other strength measures as well. We think that's important and, and it's important to be, you know, equally strong, both pulling and pushing. Um, and then you kind of kind of put a, a plan together with these players. Okay, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? Where you're at now? Here's how we're going to get you there um, in a certain time frame. And you put those programs into play. Um, continue to coach them. Obviously, there's daily, weekly feedback and coaching that goes into this. And you know, there, there's depending on the time the time frame. If it's like a year, like a season, then we're going to check back in on those goals. And some of those measures that we initially took every maybe three months, like during a traditional hockey season, like August to March, uh, I usually retest our guys twice. So usually sometime around like Thanksgiving, Christmas break, and then another time towards the end of the season. So you get an initial assessment and then two like mid season assessments. Um, and then you, you know, you adjust as necessary on an individual basis, like if needed, Otherwise you keep plugging away. And, you know, the, one of the biggest things that I see the, the players that make it, they all have great attitudes. You know, if you're just, if you're just talking about who's going to make it, they all have great attitudes. Uh, and this is going to sound obvious, but great attitudes. Uh, they're all working. Like they're the hardest working guys out there. They're the ones that get there first. They're bought in. They're there. They have a water bottle in their hand. You know, I can just visualize the people that have made it that I've worked with in the past they got their water bottle, their drink, you know, they might be having a quick snack. Everything the coaches told them, you know, that's going to make them successful. They're doing that. Uh, they're like the first ones there, last ones to leave, putting in extra stuff. You call them at night and, you know, you miss, they miss your call. You have to leave a voicemail. They call you back. Sorry, coach, I was shooting pucks. You know, it's like, and then you're like, wow, I mean that, and then they, they're the ones that end up making it. So player development, the process of it is super complicated, but at the same time, it's, 
you know, it can be simple as well when you boil it down. Where are you at right now? Your initial assessment. Where do you want to be? And then player development is that process between those two points. Um, and we kind of have an idea of what it what it takes or what the best players that have succeeded in this game do and do well. And, you know, we try to get you there. Nice. And so you're talking about development then both on and off off ice. Like what is that um, kind of all encompassing plan? I think that's what a lot of maybe younger players don't realize is that it, it is like a full all encompassing plan of like, okay, what is my, my, my weight routines? What's my fun, you know, how am I improving my agility and mobility and, and acceleration and quickness? What kind of hydration levels am I keeping? What kind of nutrition levels am I keeping? You know, like how many hours on the ice? Like what am I practicing on the ice? Like how, what's my competition level? Like it's not just showing up to your, your two practices a week and then playing in your two games a week and then progressing, right? Like at the higher levels of the youth hockey, maybe, maybe that's, you know, a good path when you're kind of in that having fun being, you know, playing hockey, but when making that transition from like, I play hockey to like, I'm a hockey player and you're trying to reach those higher levels is exactly what you're talking about is how do you get from point A to point B that in between is a lot more than a lot of players realize sometimes. And I think that's, um, important for some of the, the up and coming players to realize, and then, and, you know, realize that it takes support, whether that's from their coaches or their families or, or like, you know, additional trainers like you that have seen that level and, and know how to help them get there. But ultimately, you know, it comes down to their own desire to do that. You know, like everybody can have all the tools in the world and they, if they don't own it, they're not going to go take advantage of it. So I think that's pretty cool that uh, you're working with those players, you know, what, you know, now, what, what are you doing in the off seasons now? Like right now, now's not the off season, but like it is for a lot of people seasons on pause and you had mentioned some online coaching. Um, you know, what kind of, what, what kind of advice are you giving your players right now to like not fall behind? Um, and I asked this very specifically because I've had a few of my players that I've worked with over the years, reach out to me and be like, coach, I feel like I'm falling behind or like, you know, my, my season just got shut down or, you know, we're on pause for a few weeks and there, there's a big fear out there of kids like falling behind in their development. Um, so what would you say to, to some of the athletes that you're working with or those listeners that are, you know, fearing that they might fall behind right now in this kind of weird COVID season? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah. I've had people coming to me, you know, since March, you know, asking and you're right. It's a fear, um, which is good. I think that's a healthy, you know, it's, it's, it's some, it's pretty healthy to have like, you know, that desire to, to want to get better and not get left behind. Um, my biggest things, you know, during COVID, first of all, everyone's going through it, right? So you're not, it's not like you're the only one, you know, you're not, everyone's faced with this challenge right now. And I, I'm a big believer. It's, it's a real, it's a common uh, quote, but life is 90% uh, or 10% what happens to you, 90% how you, how you react to it, right? So COVID happened. Okay. So what, you know, now what? There's plenty of ways to get better you know, without the traditional, you know, going to the ring, doing your same old routine. I think there's tons of resources online. We have one we just launched this week uh, that you mentioned. We're doing an online training. We've done Zoom, free Zoom trainings. I know Danny does free Zoom trainings with Project Hockey as well. Uh, there's tons of resources out there for you. Reach out to a coach uh, or reach out online. Look up different things you can do. Like it's when I was a kid, I would run up hills, you know, all day repeatedly. I would get out on my on my rollerblades skating. I, I would do plyos on my own. I'm doing, you know, we played street hockey as kids. It's maybe not as common now, but there's tons of things you can do to get better. Um, I think uh, one piece, one key ad, piece of advice that I give almost all the players I work with, I try to let them know, like, development is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Okay, like, if you look at the stock market for the parents, who listen to the, you know, the stocks are going to go up and down, up and down on any day or week period. But over time, you know, if you look at it 10 years, 20 years, you know, it's at a certain trajectory. Same thing with player development. There's peaks and there's valleys um, on a daily basis, weekly basis. You need to look at the lot more of a long-term picture. And if you're down for COVID for two or three months, so be it. You're training other ways for two, three, four, five months. It's not going to kill your, your, uh, your progress overall in the long term, but there's one key thing you have to realize though, you do need to try to get better every day. Every little, little bit um, added up over time creates big change. So if you can get this much better, you know, each day, just 1% better or, or half a percent better, you know, 
over a 365 day year, okay, you're 365% better. Like that's a, you're a different person. But I think people lose sight of that long term vision um, and they get caught up in what I have to do here now and I have to be, um, you know, Connor McDavid tomorrow. And it just doesn't really happen like that. Or, or, you know, the access to social media, we see everyone, you know, doing all these things on social media. And it looks like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm not on pace, but really you get this much better every day. And after six months, a year, five years, you know, if you really took the time to get 30 minutes or an hour better per day, which is not a lot of time, then you're going to be a lot better uh, years down the road. But it's just a commit, a daily commitment to getting a little bit better each day. So that would kind of be my advice during this time. Uh, reach out, use your resources, understand that everybody's in the same boat and it's not just you. Everyone's faced with this challenge and find new ways to, uh, to overcome those challenges. Get out, get, get, get moving, go do some things that are going to make you better today and then uh, focus on tomorrow when tomorrow's here. Yeah. I love that advice. Cause I mean, the, the incremental improvements add up to huge gains in the long run. And I think that's a piece right now where like the, the, the players I've talked with, it's like, you know, every, every challenge, whether it's COVID or, or whatever is, you know, the flip side of that coin is that every challenge brings an opportunity. And, and as much as I wish as much as anybody that COVID wasn't here and, and kind of putting seasons on pause or ending seasons, it, it's not ending hockey and it's not ending development and the players that take advantage of the opportunity to like they're going to actually probably lap a few players that aren't right and so like it's an opportunity like you can make those incremental gains and you can make them like they're going to pile up really quickly over the you know when other people are just sitting around and not doing that and so that's what i've been talking about with my players always exactly what you just talked about is focusing on still making progress and those incremental gains that will add up to all of a sudden you get back on the ice, whether that's later this season or next season or whenever that might be, even if it's next weekend and you've been putting in the time and the effort and the work to make those improvements and maybe your competition hasn't, whether that's competition within your team or at a tryout or the team you're playing against. And if you're confident in your development that you've been doing that, you know, how's that going to translate into success on the ice? Like, you know, it's going to, if you're getting better by yourself, like there's other people out there that aren't. And so that's the opportunity for this season. I see is that not everybody's making that, you know, putting in that time, they're just sitting around and whether it's mental development or physical or on ice or off ice, whatever that skill set may be, it's kind of an opportunity right now to accelerate past some people that aren't willing to put in that work. So I think that's where like exactly what you're talking about and the, the help you're giving your players is, is, is kind of an interesting opportunity right now. So, um, yeah, hundred percent true. You know, it's cliche, but it's like, you know, I mean, that that's hundred percent accurate. Like it's just a, it's just another challenge you're faced with. Are you going to, you know, respond to the adversity in a positive way and go out and, and find ways to challenge yourself and get better? Or are you going to respond negatively to the adversity and shut down and, you know, take months off. And, you know, in that case, you're just going to get lapped, like you said. So, I completely agree with you. And I know it's tough. Uh, it, all these players are faced with this. It's not easy, but it's, it's just another step in your development process. Just another hill you got to climb and you know, it's how you respond to it. That's going to, that's going to determine where you go. Absolutely. So Brad, I want to, I want to jump into some uh, advice here. Uh, we kind of been talking about advice a little bit, but let's, let's go a little bit deeper into the advice here. So um, let's focus on the, the youth hockey players right now. And so these are, I'm, I'm thinking about the listeners or the parents of listeners that are, their players are aspiring to reach, uh, you know, juniors or NCAA hockey or their, um, or they're like, you know, trying to make their varsity team. So they're a little bit older. They're like, you know, teen, teen athletes. How can those youth hockey players that are aspiring to reach higher levels, like junior NCAA, how, what, what's a couple of things very specifically that you would recommend to them that they could do right now to help, um, with their, their desire to play at a higher level? Yeah, I think some of the easiest things and, and most affordable things, um, I'm all, I've always been a fan of getting a, just a bucket of pucks in a net somewhere in your house. Um, you know, your garage, your backyard, your driveway, um, shooting pucks, working on your skills. I mean, a bucket of a hundred pucks costs like a hundred bucks, um, a net, uh, you know, I don't know the going rate for a hockey net these days, but you could probably get a hockey net 
for another hundred bucks, you already have the sticks, you know, it, it's, it's low cost, you know, or you can do, you know, you can do that for a hundred, for a couple hundred bucks, you know, as opposed to, you know, a month long camp or a week long camp where you can spend thousands. I mean, it's, it's not a lot of money. It takes a lot of sweat equity though. You know, you're building something for yourself. Um, but I would say a bucket of pucks, a, a net, um, as far as training, get out, move fast, like, um, develop those fast twitch fibers, the, the lower body power that we talked about earlier, jumping plyometrics, you can jump, you know, 20 different ways. You can jump for distance. You can jump for height. You can jump on one leg. You can jump on two legs. You can jump side to side laterally. You know, you can jump similar to a hockey stride. Um, there's tons of ways you can do jumping exercise to develop that lower body power sprinting. Um, I see all, all these athletes, they come to me like, you know, I'm in, I'm in great shape coach. I ran, you know, the three mile 5k, you know, in 23 minutes and I'm really feeling it for the season. It's like, that's not, that's not hockey specific training. You know, those aren't the, the energy systems that you're going to need playing hockey is completely different than running a 5k. So uh, get out sprint for whatever it might be 20 to 60 seconds and then rest to full recovery. That's going to make you faster. Uh, which the game is just trending in a, a more faster uh, fashion anyway. Um, but you need to develop that speed, that power, and then all the, the hockey skills, bucket of pucks, um, and, and a net. I mean, those are the first things that come to my head, honestly. Uh, you know, and then use your resource. I mean, like, it's it's amazing what's available online today, you know, for free. You, there's, there's resources that are paid too, but you can go online and there's bad stuff too online. Don't get me wrong, but doing something as opposed to nothing, it, you know, is going to help you connect, try to connect with, you know, good coaches, people that, you know, coach, coach Pete himself or people that he has on this podcast, people that know what they're doing and uh, just pick their brain or see what they're putting out there on online or on Instagram and and you can learn a lot just, you, you know, with pure, just taking the time to, to do the work and read on what's available out there and, and look around. So you can always contact me as well if, if, if you're looking for something, but that would kind of be my advice, you know, move fast with sprinting, uh, with plyos, jump in and then uh, just get a, a bucket of pucks and a net. Yeah. Work on your hands, work on your shot and work on getting faster off the ice. Like those things are going to add up and you're exactly right. There's so many resources out there and available. It's almost like overwhelming how many there are, but it's um, you know, there's so much good information out there and there's people willing to help. And it's all it takes is reaching out or doing that Google search and, and doing a little bit of reading and research and um, finding if they're listening. If they're listening to the, this podcast, you know, if they're listening to the let's go hockey podcast on a regular, then uh they, they, they're already past step one. I'll tell you that. Right? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, being, I'm being serious. Like <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast right now, then you've, you're already at step one. You know, you're, you're surrounding yourself with good people that know what they're doing. And uh, that's the first step. Well, that's, that's the goal. We're trying to give a little, little help here for the people that are interested and in, in, in looking for it. So I appreciate that. Um, let's, let's flip that advice to the other side, Brad. So you've had the experience to work with some, uh, very well-respected coaches in, in the past. You yourself was, have been a very successful ice hockey coach at, at multiple levels. And uh, so what would, what would be your advice that you would extend? Um, now, this is not just uh, COVID related or anything like that, but just overall, what kind of advice would you extend to a listener that is a, uh, a coach in, in, the, in regards to player development? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's similar you know, to the player in a sense that, uh, understands a long-term process. Um, you know, I think, you know, you could get a player on any given day that, you know, maybe up or down. Right. Um, so not being too, you know, stay level headed, not being too high or too low at any given point, I think just kind of stay in the course with them, um, being supportive, you know, understanding their needs as an individual, I think is important and kind of where they're at. Uh, on that development curve, you might get, especially at the youth levels and, you know, around middle school and high school, the younger high school, you know, you know, when you're, when kids are growing and they're looking for those mechanical advantages and, and trying to understand neuromuscularly where they are with their bodies when they're growing in growth spurts. I mean, it's, it can be all over the place. So um, just kind of understand the full picture of where they're at. Um, 
equal opportunity, you know, deserved opportunity that's, that's earned, you know, at all levels, I think is important. You know, don't shut a kid out or, or put him in a, in a corner, paint him as a specific type of player too early where, you know, they might have tons of development and a whole different side of their game that they're not showing you yet. Um, I think those are kind of some common mistakes that coaches would make. Uh, what else? I mean, well, let me ask you. So Brad, I, I'll throw another piece of advice here for you that I'm looking yeah. like to see what your thoughts are. So think about when you're, um, what kind of advice would you give a coach that's working with like high school or AAA level players? Um, and as far as like a, a specific skill sets that, you know, like you're, you're trying to build your junior hockey team. And so I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, what kind of skill sets would you recommend a coach help hone a higher level player that's trying to make that jump from youth hockey to junior hockey? And the flip side of that, like, you know, what skills are you seeing that like helps the, those, those players that stand out at the junior hockey, like what skills are they bringing into the game that like those other kids that don't quite make the cut or like really have a hard learning curve have? Like, is there some, some distinguishing skill sets that you would love to see youth hockey coaches putting into their players that you're just not seeing enough at the junior level? I mean, for sure, work ethic, competitiveness, um, hockey sense. I mean, hockey sense is the most underrated thing in the game right now at the, you know, at the, at the lower levels and the youth levels, um, just how you teach that. And I know coaches don't have just unlimited time with players and families. I know that's not a, a thing. And it's, it's more difficult as well to teach it because uh, it's more conceptual than just say, you know, go work, go, let's, let's make your slap shot better, you know, take a thousand shots and I'm going to watch you and tinker with your stance and stuff. You know, hockey sense is just a much more conceptual thing and it's very fluid also. So I understand it's super hard to teach, but even just the basics of support, offensive and defensive support, um, you know, different things like, within the game that you can teach uh, hockey sense like that. But then also um, the competitive side of it. Uh, if you can teach that the work ethic, those are things that you wouldn't think are missing at higher levels. But I mean, it really, like when you talk about the differentiators between the top players, you know, in the North American hockey league or the USHL, the difference between the highest, you know, the top 5% and the bottom 5%. I mean, that's like really what's separating these players from getting, division one, you know, scholarship opportunities in division three, or, you know, they were going to make the jump to, to the USHL or they're not, they're going to make the national program. Or they're not like, it's those little things that are going to add up. Uh, so I would think those, and that's what we're, we're looking for as well, you know, as a coach at those, at those levels, when we're watching games, who, when the game's on the line, who's competing the hardest, when there's a 50, 50 puck, who's not going to take no for an answer. You know, you just see it. Um, and I think that's, Something that I do think that can be developed um, as opposed to, you know, just something that's innate in somebody and in, in somebody's personality. So those would be the kind of the first few things that come to mind for sure. As, as guys that are making that jump to the next level, that's what they have. Nice. So how, how do you think a, uh, like a high school coach, how do you think they can help hone a player's competitiveness or, or hockey IQ? Like a lot of that's going to come from practice. How do you, how do you think, uh, like how, how did you do that with, with, with your teams in, in increasing that hockey IQ or, or teaching that? Was there any specific drills or, or, or philosophies you had to try to help, help those players along the way? As for competitiveness, I think you, you, you turn things into competitions as much as possible, playing a lot of games, uh, doing drills where it's forwards versus defensemen or this line versus that line. How many goals can you score? How many loose pucks can you pick up? How many hits, you know, can you make, you know, depending on what, you know, what you're trying to teach your coach, you know, you can build that in. If it's, if it's a line of players that are all just hardworking grinders per se, um, you know, how many hits can you guys do? Or how many, how many takeaways can you have this shift? And we're going to, the three guys are going to compete, you know, who can have the most, uh, most takeaways. And you, you turn things into games um, where they kind of learn that like, with consequences, I should say games with consequences, you know, uh, the winner's going to get, I'll buy him Chipotle after practice or, you know, a free sandwich or you don't have to work out tomorrow. You know, you get to, you can skip workout or you can skip conditioning or, or maybe if, if you don't win, then you have conditioning extra, you know, something that's going to challenge them, but creating daily challenges, uh, 
daily situations where they have to kind of earn some sort of reward or some sort of, you know, something that they want. Um, I think that's, that, that's at least what I kind of did. And I, and I, as I grew as a coach and, and kind of learned what I was trying to do and how to hone that in, I did more and more of it. Um, like last year, there were times when, I mean, almost every drill in a specific day would be some kind of game or some kind of, you know, compete like this drill it's green versus yellow who can score the most goals. And it's, it's not like a, a cross ice game or anything like that necessarily. It could be, you know, a, a two on one drill, just something down the ice, but instead of just running the drill, let's keep score now and let's see who wins and, and, and loses. And then there's a prize or, you know, a punishment for, yeah. for the teams. So, and that, again, that's probably more with a little bit older athletes, you know, we're not talking about mites here. Uh, or even squirts probably, but once they start getting older and start, you know, you, you're going to try to find ways to find that fire inside of them and ignite it. As far as hockey sense, uh, I think you just start simple and try to design drills and just continue to mention things, maybe pick three to five things, you know, you really want to try to accomplish in a hockey season. Like, like I said, support might be one of them. Um, you know, a middle lane drive on a line rush let's just say, I mean, I'm getting, I'm starting to get somewhat specific here, but you know, if, if you want to pick a few of those things and really hone in on it, I think video is important. I think just consistency in your message, try to create drills or, or really focus on that specific thing in a drill. And it's going to take time. I mean, it's not something that happens overnight. You're going to have to do this sometimes months for, you know, before it clicks and they're just doing it um, as a habit. But once you can kind of create what you want to do, an idea of what you want to do and what you want to get out of your team, I think it's just a consistent message and different ways, you know, to teach them like the video on ice uh, drills that reinforce those habits. Um, that's kind of where I would start. Love it. Consistency and message. And, and yeah, you're right. I mean, showing those patterns and, and having that message to the players, it takes time, but that's uh you know, anything worth doing is, is going to take a little bit of time. So I appreciate that advice, Brad. So I think with that, we're going to, we're going to start wrapping this up here. Um, we've got two, two final pieces for you, but so first off, any, any closing thoughts that you have to extend to any of the listeners, the players, coaches, or parents that are listening out there, uh, any, any final thoughts you have? Yeah. I mean, I think some of the key takeaways, like we, we talked a lot about player development and that's a little bit, that's probably my specialty. Uh, just given my background and some of my experience. Um, so just going back to that a little bit, I mean, be patient, right? If you're, you know, if you're a player, a parent, a coach, understand that this is a long-term thing. I mean, a career might be five, 10, 15 plus years um, in the game. So it, change doesn't happen overnight. You know um, it's a real long-term thing. I think you, you need to continue to stay passionate about what you're doing Um you know, or else you become uninspired. And so, so understand it's a long-term game and just get better every day. I, I really, it's simple, but it's hard to do. I mean, if you, if you try to pick something and do it every single day, I mean, it, I mean, it's like Thanksgiving is coming up. Um, you know, like if, if I say I want to do, you know, I want to eat healthy every day, or I'm going to eat an apple every day, you know, it's going to go, then it's Thanksgiving. It's like, wow, there's this big feast. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to luck. stay true to, <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to stay true to like, it's really hard to try to do something every single day. I mean, it's hard to form those habits, but you really need to just carve it aside of time or from five to 6 PM every day, you're going to shoot up, shoot pucks or, or you're going to get a workout and you're going to go run Hills. You're going to do something to make yourself better. If you can carve out those habits, you know, like I said, you're not going to notice it for the first week or two, but after six months, you're going to be an animal someone completely different than where, than what you were when you started. Love it stuff, Brad. Well, I think with that, we're going to wrap it up. Last thing for you, where, uh, if somebody's interested in, in connecting with you or learning more about fast or has some questions, um, well, one, anybody can follow up with our, our show here and we can, we can answer through DMS or, or emails or, or any, um, any way that way. But if anybody's interested in finding you, Brad, where can they, where can they reach you? Yeah. Our website is fast online dot shop. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, 
And I have my own personal Twitter is coach Stofe, at coach Stofers. Um, so you can find me or, or our fast company, any of those spots. And, you know, we, I'd love to work with, with as many athletes as I can and continue to create those positive success stories. And, you know, if there's ever any way I can help someone, I, I, I welcome them to reach out and I'm always open for, for trying to help, you know, the people that want to get better. So Brad, I think that's, uh, I think that's going to do it for us today. Brad Stouffer's thanks for coming on the show. Why don't you uh, sign us off with a good, let's go. Let's go. All right, let's go. Huge thanks to Coach Brad Stoffers for coming on the show today. Uh, it was a great conversation. Good catching up with uh, with a buddy from many years ago. Uh, Brad's doing some cool stuff out there with his fast program. But uh, yeah, Danny, let me throw it to you, man. What do you What do you think? Do you want to jump into the uh, the stars of the night? Yes, but before we do, thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, it was an honor to have you. I know it's it's one of those episodes where if you listen to it again, you're going to take something away from it. So <clears throat> appreciate it. But star number three uh, is is just player development as a whole and the way he talked about that and the understanding that it's not just at the rink, right? It's <clears throat> it's what you do away from the rink, uh, whether that's project talking. I'm just kidding. Whether whether uh, you know it's taking it's taking care of your body. It's all those different things. It's not just getting on the ice and skating. And so that was uh, star number three. Kick it over to you for stars two and star number one of the night. Number two, I'm going to go with uh, the part where we talked about uh, team culture and buy-in. You know, Brad uh, is interesting to me because you want to, that's just a topic that I'm, I'm kind of overall really interested in, but I, I enjoyed talking to Brad about that because, you know, one, he's been part of a couple of very successful programs, but uh, really what was really interesting to me was, you know, he, he was the first ever coach for the Chicago Cougars in the USPHL. So he basically was given a blank slate uh, and started a program, you know, from a coaching perspective, started a program from scratch. So he got to design and build that culture from like a clean slate. And so for me, that was super interesting. Um, I could talk about that topic very specifically in depth for a long time. You know, I think the, but I, I really think that that's the second start tonight is talking about how Brad, you know, clearly we talked a lot about clearly defining those cultures and, and writing down and, and showing some of those key pillars of what you want that culture in the locker room and your team program to be and how players, um, you know, some buy in, some don't, but the ones that, um, that do like, you know, what does a coach do to help promote buy-in into that culture and, and how does that culture translate into success both on and off the ice? So I think that's a big one. Um, my number one star is related to that. So number one star tonight is, uh, I, I really enjoyed our talks and I think on, on the programs he was in both at BU as a strength and conditioning coach, working with D one athletes, uh, the men's and women's hockey team, as well as some of the other sports, but then also on as a grad assistant, uh, with, uh, RPI, both, both very successful D one programs. And, you know, talking about what, uh, Seth Appert did as the coach of RPI when he was there. And obviously Seth went on from there to the NTDP and then on to pro hockey. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, a coach that I've, I've listened to speak a few times and, and, you know, talking about Brad getting firsthand experience with him and showing what he did, you know, from a culture standpoint, from a development standpoint, from practicing X's and O's, uh, I thought that was, that was really uh, a cool insight and very fascinating. And then also just talking about like BU and, you know, the part about body mass weight and percent fat percentage and, you know, just the cultural expectations from that program. So I think getting that first, uh, firsthand look into those programs and then translating that to like Brad's experience of, you know, how is he bringing that experience to the younger athletes at the, you know, the, the youth levels and the, the AAA, the junior levels, and those players that are aspiring to get to that NCAA D one level. So, um, it's interesting to me to have Brad be able to share that experience to the younger athletes and kind of what key takeaways he had from those programs. So that's my number one star tonight, his, uh, experience with those D one programs. So, um, yeah, so it was a good one. I, I was happy we were able to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I know he's the, he's the type of guy that if you do reach out to him on a social channels or stuff like that, he's going to, he's going to reach back out to you and help you out any way he can. So be sure to check him out on all of his social channels. It'll be linked uh, below in the description. And as usual, unless, unless you got something else coach, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for this one to roll out, see what it gets, see what kind of feedback it gets and make sure you're hitting that like button. Cause that's allowing us to, to continue to bring some development 
And we got a lot of good, good uh, hockey players, teams, not teams, players, coaches, all that stuff coming down the pipeline right now. So stay tuned for that and uh, let's get after it. Anything else we, we need, Coach? That's it for me. Thank you so much for listening again. Make sure you share this with your uh, teammates, fellow coaches, parents, friends, whoever wants to listen to it. Uh, we appreciate you following along and listening and, and reach out to us with any questions. But from there, I think uh, I think that wraps it. Till next time. Let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. HockeyWolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too.